Welcome, romance friends, to Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I go on and on and on about my favorite romantic books, movies, TV shows, without embarrassment or shame, mostly. This is Poppy, and in this episode, Learning from Romance, Part 3. So this is probably the final episode, mini-sode, of what I learned from romance. Maybe. Maybe not. Of course it will be dirty. Repressed former Catholic schoolgirl here. There will be lots of talk about fucking. There will be a sexy read aloud. Put the children away. Cover the ears of your sensitive dogs and cats. And pull up a chair. Okay, appreciating and even enjoying kink in romances and movies is a prime example of how far I have come this year. Growing up, we had to whisper sex, let alone talk about what actually brought us to this earth. So every time I mention fucking or two dicks and one vag or whatever it is, it's a victory for me and my repressive upbringing. Check out my Romance After Dark episode for more on my pretty new kinky romance journey. And check out Learning from Romance Part 1. I still can't believe I was able to talk out loud about how I identify sexually. But there you are. Hey, however long it takes to get there, you get there. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. But there's a reason the intro to every episode states that I podcast without embarrassment or shame. Even if you have to fake it till you make it, not shaming yourself is one of the most important life lessons I've learned. So I may not have been totally ready for what I've learned, but I've grown along with my awareness. So many societies and organized religions do a really great job of shaming anything outside the norm. And we don't deserve to walk around feeling ashamed of ourselves for being human. Well, unless I'm going on and on about (laughs) Keanu Reeves yet again, then I guess maybe I should feel a teensy bit of shame. Hey, he's a king among men, people! Please welcome... So much of what is healthy, natural, and human is repressed in so many cultures, especially if you're a woman. We're made to feel ashamed, to feel slutty about healthy, normal sexual preferences, a desire for healthy, respectful love and connection. So it got to a point where I wasn't going to be quiet about my desires anymore. Hence this podcast. If there's anything this year plus of podcasting about romance has taught me, it's that I have every right to my sexual identification, my sexual preferences, my reading preferences, my watching preferences, my romance preferences. Anything goes as long as it's clearly communicated between consenting adults. And sometimes it's okay to have a good-natured laugh at ourselves in the sometimes weird ways we get turned on. 
In bonding, Pete and Tiff are best friends trying to make it in the big city. Pete is gay and a wannabe comedian trying to make it in the bro-centric stand-up world. And Tiff is a psychology grad student who uses her knowledge of human nature in her part-time job as a dominatrix. She basically already has a grad degree from serving her clients. When Pete is short on his rent money, she ropes him into helping her in her kink scenes as Mistress May. But he's sweet and a bit inexperienced and really uncertain about it all. When he panics before going on stage one night and runs out of the comedy club, Tiff chases after him right to the street to give him the pep talk we'd all want from a friend. These two are so dear. Pete, don't make me run. Stop. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I made you come and like... Maybe I should just give up on this and move home and become an accountant or something. What's eight times eight? A metaphorical accountant. Look, what you do with me, with the clients, that is fucking brave. You walk into a room, you don't know if you're gonna have to like shit on someone. Okay. You're a deranged person, but I appreciate the sentiment. I'm serious. You're braver than you think. I know that, otherwise I wouldn't have hired you. What do you masturbate to? Tiff, can for one second... Just answer. I don't know, like, the part in porn where there's, like, kissing. Kissing? Kissing and fucking and slabbering and missionary and all that. Oh, come on. You never masturbate to anything, like, weird or pervy? Like, car crashes or Animal Planet? Or... Your uncle? No, shh. No. Your uncle is so hot. Uncle Barry is very hot, but I'm not going to, like, jack off to him. He's married. Come on. Feet. Feet. Okay. Okay, so you're a foot queen. Shh, I wouldn't put it like that, okay? Wow. I've known you for 13 years, and I didn't know you, like, smelly old I'm not like the president of the foot club for men, okay? You could be. Just one foot in front of the other. Shut the foot up. That's stupid. Why'd you ask me that? Because when people masturbate, they want to zombie out, even if it's for like a fucking second. I wanted to make you feel better. Did it work? You made my heart come. I made your soul jizz. Still chicken shit, though. I have an idea. Come with me. I hate your ideas. Oh, man. So screw repression that often makes us feel weird or deviant. Or, if you're a woman, unladylike, whatever that means. Not like the normal, healthy human beings we actually are. It's taken a while and many years to get to this point, but I'm here now. I'm here to explore, so let's have some fun. And so we get to my recent discovery, monster fucking. (laughs) I told you to hold on. 
Okay, I was in a really bad book slump recently, opening and closing books left and right. I couldn't find anything that grabbed me. And then somebody on Twitter recommended A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor, book one of the Tempting Monsters series. You know if you've listened before that I do not like dark romance. It scares me or something. So if you look at the cover of this book, which is black with that typeface I like to refer to as dark shadows, on-screen titles, creepy, you would say, Poppy, this book isn't for you. All the tweets said was that this person loved this book, not what it was about. So something about the title drew me in. A manor house. Doesn't that sound lovely? So Downton Abbey. So I read the first chapter. Esther is a beautiful, spirited woman in service in the 19th century, and she hears the gorgeous young family doctor attending to the lady of the house, who has a nervous complaint, but there is buzzing and then moaning involved. Esther is really curious, and she stands listening at the door. I'd always like to watch Dr. Underwood. Nearly gotten myself into a fair bit of trouble for it over my two years of service with the Pickerings, too. But there was something about the man. I felt a kind of kinship to him. I was not what I ought to have been. Not quiet enough. Not selfless enough. Not appropriate. And though I couldn't say why, I thought the same might have been true of Dr. Underwood. I leaned in the shadows of the service hall and watched him and the other fine gentlemen and ladies who came to the house to shop and gossip about the family's misfortune. He wandered the house, not looking for Mrs. Pickering, but I suspected to pick out which of the fixtures and goods he'd like to buy when it all went up for auction. I couldn't get fired for impertinence when I was being let go in just a few more days. I should have known a position as nice as this one wouldn't last, one where I had a room and good meals, a girl like me who couldn't keep her skirts on straight when there were handsome lads about and had already been released from one service job for her habits. As it turned out, Mr. Pickering had his own weaknesses, too, and the game of speculation had lost him his trade money. Now they were selling off the fine house and releasing their staff in the hopes of scrounging up what little was left. They'd given us all good references in exchange, but I'd yet to find any position. Certainly not one as nice. Dr. Underwood paused in the entry hall, looking up at the grand staircase before turning in place and striding across the tiles to the hall where I was spying. I was expecting him to stop and examine one of the sideboards or a work of art, so I was still staring dumbly at him as he ducked into the staff hallway. I curtsied a little too late and gracelessly, and he blushed, bobbing nervously in front of me. "'Are you lost, sir? There's nothing much back here to see,' I said, and less up for sale. His hands were twisting, a handkerchief winding around his finger and crumpling in his fist." His clothes were fine and beautifully tailored to his elegant frame, but he moved in them as though he were looking for an escape route. Ah, uh, I was, actually, I came to see you, but I, I haven't learned your name, Miss. 
I stood up straight at that, even as he bobbed forward again, full lips pursing. Esther Reed, sir, I said. And then I held my breath and waited for him to speak. Would he offer me a position? Had the Pickerings recommended me? If they had, then they clearly hadn't been paying attention to my habits. Dr. Underwood was just the type of handsome man I found myself in trouble with too often, although not usually with a gentleman as important as him. When he took too long to speak, checking over his shoulders and around mine to see if anyone was listening, I spoke for him. Is it a position, sir? Are you in need of a housemaid? I asked. He coughed and smiled. No, I I have one of those, and she's not not so charming, certainly, but perhaps a little less nosy, too, he said. It was my turn to blush, thinking of him catching me in the hall during his appointment with my lady all those months ago. It's some um, delicate kind of, um, and if I might offend, please say so, but... I stepped closer, the heat burning on my cheeks, mirroring the red on his that turned his freckles another shade darker. Are you in need of a mistress, sir? I whispered. I was not offended in the least by the suggestion, although I wasn't sure I was nearly fine enough. It might be below a young lady's station, but I wasn't really a lady. I didn't even have a proper talent like an actress or an opera singer or the other kinds of women who men purchased nice things for, fancy houses and dresses and jewels and all that sort of thing. Dr. Underwood's smile relaxed at my question, and he looked almost boyish, although I knew by the hint of gray at his temples he was older than I was. It's not quite that, he said, checking the hall around us again. But I knew that the other maids were busy with washing and drying the linens, exactly where I was meant to be, and the kitchen staff was already trying to scrounge a meal together with the little that was left. He stepped closer until I had to tilt my head back to look up at him. He had a gentle face with high cheekbones and lips for kissing, and I thought if he took one more step, I could either lean into him or fall back against the wall and let him corner me. I liked that game when it was a nice fellow. There is a house I... Patron, the girls who live there are well cared for and treated kindly. And with that, his eyebrows, the same reddish brown as his short hair, waggled up. And I would be a maid or... If you wanted, he said, brow furrowing. But there might be other employment you would enjoy more. Then he did step in again, and there was a whiff of tobacco on his jacket and the soft blue of his eyes hardened a little. But his smile was sweet when I didn't move back and our chests brushed together. He bent his head and whispered in my ear, Work for a girl who can't keep her hands off herself in a hallway where anyone could see her. What makes that great buzzing sound? I asked, staring up at him. He grinned, and the affable, nervous doctor returned. I could show you if you like, and I'd rather tell you more about the manor in private. Would you come to my practice on Harley Street? I'll stay late this evening. Yes, sir, I said, watching a flash of eerie green flicker in his gaze. 
Okay, I have checked with other monster fucking fans <laughs> because this is a very tame start to the story. And I wanted to find out if this was representative of the subgenre, but apparently it's not. This is considered a sweet hot story. And let me say, it is hot. Okay, this is what I love about the setting of this story. The house is really grand, but it only comes alive at night. There's a madam, and she allows the women who work there to choose the males they will sleep with as their regulars. She allows them to reject any of them at any time for any abuses and monitors the action at all times. These ladies get room and board and luxury suites in this massive house and the most exciting but respectful and discreet sexual encounters. Sometimes they last for days, sometimes just a night. Pretty soon you realize that most of the matches are between ladies and men slash monsters who appear in different guises. Water creatures, vampires, wolves, an ancient sphinx, even a ghost. Okay, that sex scene was amazing. <laughs> I never thought I would say that out loud. The women are showered with material gifts too, not just by their regulars, but by the men who become members of the manor and are interested in them. But the women always have veto power over who they sleep with. Membership is like a direct courting with no game playing, like a dom sub situation where the men are always the subs. Holy crap, I didn't know I liked this kink, but reading about it in action, it sounds so amazing. I mean, if you like to have sex with lots of different people, this is the way to do it. Yeah, they can have all the creatures at once or one at a time. It's up to each woman. I mean, hot dang. This idea didn't faze me in the least. As a former Catholic schoolgirl, I was eagerly turning the pages. <laughs> it's a testament to the writing and the plot in these characters and how far I've come in accepting and exploring desire. The wide range of desire. I bet a lot of you are well ahead of me. This story is like training wheels for monster fucking. I mean, there are a whole bunch of podcasts and Facebook pages now and book anthologies dedicated to monster fucking right now. What I love most about Romancelandia is it's like agnostic sharing. People talk freely about the books they love, the stories they love, the kinks they love, the tropes they love why they love them, and then you get to make the decision whether or not you think it's something you want to explore. It might not be your thing, but then again, you might discover something new that really turns you on. Speaking of, I invited the monster erotica writer V.B. Berenger on this episode to help us define monster erotica, at least how he sees it, and then read aloud from one of his serial monster erotica stories. Woo! Hello, I'm V.B. Berenger, and I write erotica. Within the erotica romance umbrella, there are many genres, and one of those involves monsters. There are many authors out there who specifically write about, well, I'll just say it, monster fucking. This can be anything from sex with a mermaid to a demon, to a ghost, to Cthulhu. And don't forget the many, many tentacles. Thanks, Japan. 
The point is, us motherfuckers take what you'd see in a Dungeons and Dragons game or in a fantasy novel to the next level. Someone once said, if we discovered aliens existed, the first three questions we'd ask are, can we talk to it? Can we eat it? Or can we fuck it? In this genre, the answer is yes. Monster erotica takes on many forms and is a fun, lascivious subgenre of erotica that many people may not admit they're into, but definitely enjoy. What I want to do with my series, The Rift Walker, is tell a compelling fantasy adventure story with elements of smut and erotica sprinkled throughout. It's a bit of a monster of the week with a continuous narrative and connected elements. Ariana, a rift walker, is a monster hunter and, let's face it, a monster fucker, who's looking to find the artifact, a mysterious relic that's opened rifts in reality to allow monsters from other realms to inherit our world. Now, the rift walkers are looking to close those rifts in order to return the world to normal, but Ariana finds that perhaps the world and sex is better off with monsters. Ariana couldn't move, frozen in the ice of the invisible force above her head. She flexed her muscles and tried to move. Her sword leapt from her hand and buried itself in the wooden wall of the cabin. The Night Stalker's psychic power flipped and slammed her down on the bed so hard she rebounded into air. When she landed back on the bed, unseen restraints kept her there. Goosebumps rose from her skin as a submissive tingle crept across her skin. She couldn't move, but had a clear view of the Night Stalker fondling and fucking Ziomara. Ziomara gasped in spasms as the Night Stalker's tentacles took her. It fingered her with deep, long, flailing tentacles. It squeezed both tits with its appendage and invaded her mouth with its swarm of mouth tentacles. Her eyes were wide with orgasmic ecstasy from another realm. All the tentacles from the Stalker moved in rhythm with each other a nightmare orchestra of orgasmic pleasure. Soon, Ziomaro's orgasmic screams became more and more vocal. The volume rose with each mind-bending orgasm she had. Ariana could tell the creature was fracturing her brain, but couldn't do anything to stop it. In one last scream, Ziomaro's screech broke the fabric of reality. Ariana could see double as the Night Stalker's mouth tentacles slipped from Ziomaro's mouth and the creature turned to her. Ziomara closed her eyes and slumped her head. Ariana could see white, viscous cum bubbling and dripping from her lips. And now you will see how foolish you've been, Riftwalker, the Night Stalker whispered in Ariana's mind. Ziomara's zombie body lurched forward. Cum leaked down her thick thighs as she stepped toward the bed. It also spilled from her mouth and onto her tits. There was nothing behind her eyes. Holy moly. <laughs> Holy moly. Okay, let's take a little survey, shall we? Tentacles and forked tails. <clears throat> and massive fur-covered forearms and fangs and ghostly fingers. I've been learning myself real good and I'm just getting started. this podcast share this episode from your podcast app or follow me or tell a romance loving friend about it 
And if you want to be featured on an episode, leave me a voicemail or contact me at confessionsofaclosetromantic.com. You can always find me chatting away on Twitter, tweet, 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 at poppy underscore confesses. And you can find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessionsofaclosetromantic.com. Special shout out to my listeners who are just getting into the romance genre. You have so much fun ahead of you. Until next time, wishing you all plenty of shame-free romantic exploration.